dangerously close. This episode was brought to you by William Mitchell Audio. And later in this episode, I will be making a formal public apology to Guy Fieri. But one thing I will never apologize for is letting everyone know that William Mitchell Audio brings the best audio engineering, professionalism, and excellence to any project. And you can trust that because, hey, look, I decided to be the bigger man and apologize to Guy Fieri. He hasn't apologized yet, and I don't need him to. I mean, what is he, he thinks he's better than me? Go to williammitchellaudio.com. My guest today is Bushra Bernie. Bushra Bernie is an L.A.-based writer and actor. Her one-person show, The Coolfy Paradox, debuted in October on Zoom. Her first play, Designated Muslim, was featured by the City Lights Theater Company's Lights Up Festival of New Plays. Her following play, An Evening Repast, currently in development, takes place over one night as two friends realize they don't know each other as well as they thought. She grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, where she also met and trained under Zara Norbach, who later became director of her debut one-person show. What's up, Busher? Hey, nothing much, man. How you doing? Uh, I feel like, so right before I read your bio, I asked you to tell me how to pronounce Zara's last name, and I feel like I got close, but... <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think she'll be fine with it. I think she, you know, she'll, be, she'll be accepting of your pronunciation. Under pressure, when I was actually reading your bio, I was like, I forgot what she just said one second again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, uh, you know, we've been talking on the internet for like a little while and stuff, but uh, it's, it's really cool to meet you face to face. I think it's, uh, it's weird because I've met so many people for the first time on Zoom this year. And it seems like that's like the most normal way to meet people now, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think it is the only way. I was just talking with friends today over chat that even when you go out, you wear a mask and I'm so used to like smiling at people and just getting to know people that way that you can't even really meet anybody outside anyway, even those few times you are out. So Zoom really is the only way to just really get to know somebody you've never met before. I have a a very weird, like even to this, even after all these months, I still have not gotten past the, um, my brain recognizing that people can't see that I'm smiling. Uh-huh, and, uh, uh-huh. I know that people, like all the you know, strangers, I think they just think that I'm staring at them. And I think my eyes might do a little weird thing when I smile. And maybe they kind of squint. So it looks like I'm like maybe mean mugging people with my yeah, mask. Yeah. <laughs> or especially if I have sunglasses on, then they just don't. Oh, my goodness. Long, yeah. Because yeah, I wear glasses, too. Sometimes that and sunglasses and the scarf and the mask. It's like they, they have no idea if I'm like in a hazmat suit or what, like what's going on. So I actually yeah. have a question about that. Mm-hmm. This this is totally unrelated, but I've, I've been trying to figure it out. I don't I don't wear reading glasses, but I do have to wear uh, sunglasses a lot just like because the sunlight bothers me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a little bit of a vampire. Um, how, like, but for someone that, ha- that actually has to wear glasses, how do you deal with like them fogging up? It's like, is that not a problem for you? Yeah, it is. Um, I do. I do have I do wear contacts sometimes as well. But like uh, with glasses, just because everything's my laziness has been amplified by 100 since COVID. So I don't put on my contacts when I'm out usually. And yeah, the glasses are just it's just something you just got to deal with. And, uh, you know, just filling with a mask. It's not that much fun, to be honest. Uh, But, uh, you know, everybody's just it's just 
normal now, I guess, just to have the fogging up of the glasses. I have a, an, an invention that I'm working on. I mean, I'm sure somebody else has already done it, but I, I don't feel, I don't feel like they're like for sale at like the gas station or wherever I, you know, places where I buy masks. Mm-hmm. Cause I just buy like throwaway ones. But, uh, I was thinking about like getting some kind of like adhesive. So then like it would go like around like, like your nose and, uh, cheekbones. And so then when you breathe, then the, your breath doesn't go up and get in your, in your glasses and fog them over. I don't know. I'll just, I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious if something like that exists. It must. Uh, you know, just something like something that really conforms. And but I feel like then you're also going to deal with like whatever indentations it makes in your face afterwards. Yeah. Well, I just I was thinking like brain surgeons that have to wear glasses. There's no way that they can just allow their. They can't just have yeah. foggy glasses. Oh, yeah. Got to be able to see. <laughs> like whoops, nick yeah. something. Whoops. Yeah. Oh, that was the wrong part of your brain. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say also, uh, you know, that because uh, we're. You're a playwright, and we're going to be talking about your mm-hmm. plays and theater and stuff. And I wanted to say, uh, you know, I actually minored in theater, so I'm a little bit of a thespian myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then you've got more education than I do, my friend, because I did not do any kind of schooling in theater. And I wish I did. I wish I took the time to like take my time through college uh, and understand that I can take classes that are outside of my major. Uh, I really wish I spent some time doing that. But yeah, you're already a step ahead of me then. I was, was going to say, uh, just like, here, I'm going to sound grandiose. Uh, uh-huh. that's, my, that's my plan here. Go for it. Go for it. <clears throat> With my background in journalism and my vast knowledge of theater and the fact that I actually double minored in Spanish as well, I feel extremely confident that I can conduct an educational interview today and I could even do it in broken Spanish if we decide to do that. So we might, we might try that out a little bit later and see if we can do a little broken Okay, well, Spanish. I don't know what kind of responses you're going to get back in the broken <laughs> Spanish. I took five years of Spanish in like junior high and high school. And um, I still can't. And my, my, the extent of my Spanish is donde esta la biblioteca, pretty much. That, that's all I got after five years. So I don't know what kind of responses you'll get back. But, you know, we could try it out, I'm sure. Uh, what happened for me is uh, when I got out of school, so I... So I I had minored in Spanish and I learned a lot. I mean, I was getting like, I felt like kind of fluent from school Spanish, but then I, I just immediately was doing construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just didn't even bother trying to get a job in journalism. And I was just like, oh, I'm just doing construction, you know, or whatever. And because of that, uh, I was able to use Spanish at work every day. So it actually like really solidified it for me. So I feel like, and I, I lose it from like whenever I'm just not around people that speak Spanish, I start to forget it. But it's one of those things that I can get it back because I spent so many years like speaking with like uh, people that are like are native Spanish speakers that, you know, like that also be, like that didn't even speak English very well. So I mm-hmm. really had to try hard because they wouldn't be able to correct me. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I, there's, <laughs> there's more than one way to learn Spanish. <laughs> um, are you in L.A. right now? Uh, yeah, I'm in North Hollywood. Um, from what I've been hearing it's kind of funny. We've been talking about masks and this stuff and I was going to bring this up because for m- multiple reasons, one is because your last play, uh, your one, your one woman show, you did it from home uh, over zoom. And that's, you know, because of the conditions and stuff. But like what I was going to say is like, from what I've been hearing from my people out there is that the city of LA is taking the pandemic seriously. Uh, uh-huh. As opposed to like, it'd be nice if they were doing that here because like the second wave is hitting hard right now. It's like yeah. for real, like where I, I'm in Nashville and like we're in the center of that, the hot zone. And like, mm-hmm. this is where like, I mean, it's, it's really crazy. Cause like I, for like, for me, 
uh, it's like every couple of days, someone I know personally catches COVID. And that's oh, wow. that just, you know, this whole year, I didn't know. None of my friends caught it. It was always like you heard someone that knew someone that knew someone. Mm-hmm. And now it's like my friends are like posting on uh, the internet. They're like, I got COVID, man. Nobody's going to be able to see me for a while or like, you know, or, anyway, but it's just weird because it's like, it's all around now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, they've been, they're getting a lot more strict in LA. Like they were, they started off strict and then they loosened up and then they got more strict again, but it's not really affecting my life too much because I was, I've been hunkered down, man, since March. Like I've been uh, just going to the grocery store here and there, but there's been a lot of these people who are just out and about. And uh, you know, that's why we're getting this other wave. And I don't know. You know, I just wish that everybody, you know, I actually realize I have no idea where your politics lie, <laughs> but I just wish that everybody was just like for, for the goodness of the people, just let's all just do what we need to do and get through this um, and just do what, you know, take personal responsibility. Uh, my politics lie. I'm, I'm extremely radical. <laughs> In a good way. No, I mean, I want everyone to be happy, but at the same time, like I'm not happy with the current, uh, assholes in the government right now and it's particularly our like i was gonna say like our governor they've like they've politicized masks uh-huh. especially right. uh here so like uh nashville's like a it's a metropolitan place you know it's a cool city people have a good time here and like a lot of you know we have like the uh you know the best hospital in the state is here but like all these people all these yahoos like our our governor is like actively discouraging people from wearing masks because he's just He's like one of those like people that he thinks Trump is going to be around forever. And if you just kiss his ass forever, that'll mm-hmm. help his political career. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty awful, man. You got people like literally out here being like, I don't wear a mask. It's my freedom not to wear a mask. <coughs> oh then, man. You know, yeah. That's, that's awful. That's awful. It's like nowhere. And even here in the city though, like you go anywhere you go, you're still going to see some asshole with no mask on. Like there's a few places they'll put a, like uh, they'll have someone that's like at the door, like a, kind of like a bouncer yeah like, I know uh-huh. you gotta, you, but like all our bars are open oh man like people go in there it's packed you can't wear you can't drink and wear a mask so yeah just yeah getting shit faced and passing it around <laughs> oh man yeah i think they cut all that stuff out over here so uh but like i said there's nothing no difference to my life right now because i wasn't doing anything anyway i was yeah that's actually what i was just gonna ask i was like what a, what are you doing different? Like, because like, I, I mean, I can see the maps and I can see the news. Like, why is LA like, why aren't you guys getting as sick as we're getting? I mean, other than what I just said. Well, it sounds like people are, and that's why they had to shut things down again. Like, um, I read this random stat. I don't have the exact numbers, but like before they're like one in 800 people in LA has it. Now it's like one in 200 people. Damn. So there's just people not paying attention, you know, and it's just those few folks. And I think they were, when they opened up the bars and the restaurants, like the indoor seating, I think that what's cost what cost some of it i think uh don't quote me on that but uh yeah just like it's just these random people who and they're still people still throw parties and they're getting it that way and i don't know man it's just crazy speaking of like uh, about just california and where you're from and stuff so like you're from san francisco originally area yeah yeah i just i do want to say first of all uh san francisco is absolutely one of my favorite cities in the world i always love to visit there uh, why'd you move to LA? Well, it was just one of those things where I grew up in the Bay Area. I was born and raised there, and um, and I kind of needed a change in my life. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I was living in the family home, and uh, my mom was going to sell the house. I'm like, okay, I need to find a new place to live. And 
I was able, I was able to transfer my day job to like, uh, we had, there's an office down South and it was either that, or I was like, I was telling myself, I was I'm going to move to Istanbul. And I'm like, I don't know how to make a living in Istanbul. So I was like, let me not just like, uh, be like sayonara everybody. And just like, let me just be more practical. So uh, I wanted to explore that creative life. And so I thought, why not just move down South, uh, you know, still, have my day job, not worry about rent and uh, just try to find out like, what are people doing here? How to get into writing, how to get into uh, just whatever it is, whatever scene is going on here. So that's kind of why I decided to move. And uh, it's, it's been interesting, definitely, especially in COVID. Like I realized that I wasn't done exploring LA when everything hit. So like, I, I just missed like getting to know the city. Well, how long uh, were you in LA before all this? Shit? About, about a year. Uh, about a year and change. Oh, yeah, there's, there's so much to yeah, see yeah. and do in LA. You can, yeah, it takes longer than a year. Yeah, and even just like seeing people, like I got to know people in like the creative um, industry and just going to these events, seeing people in person. Um, I hate networking, but I was actually networking and meeting people and uh, just have, have all that go away. And everybody's been trying to get to uh, do these events uh, through Zoom, but there's only really so much you can actually do before it's like, you know what, I just, I can't. Yeah, just uh, just to harken back to you were just talking about Istanbul, and I have to say that uh, one of my favorite songs of all time is about Istanbul. Uh, do you know that you know the song? Uh, it's called Istanbul. It's uh, by they might they might be giants. Yeah, I think I've heard it. I don't. I can't. Uh, I can't like say Istanbul it, yeah. was Constantinople. Was Istanbul oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know it. Yeah, it was, that was the very first concert I ever went to. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> it's one of my favorite cities in the whole world. Um, I absolutely love it. Uh, so yeah, I, I was going to just chuck everything and move, but I was like practical Bushra kind of came through and just <laughs> talked me out of it. Well, cool. I mean, you're young, you got plenty of time. You can, you can always move there some other time if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I had something else to say. Oh, this is just one more thing just about San Francisco. Just, uh, you probably know this spot. So I kind of call it my happy place. It's obviously not a place to go to visit. I don't live there, but, mm-hmm. uh, it's just like a, there, you know, there's, there's certain places like in the, in the world where you go there and you're just immediately at peace. You're like, oh, yeah. this is my yep. spot. And there's a stairway that goes up beside the Golden Gate Bridge uh, where you can overlook the bay. And you can see all the like giant tanker ships going by and like all those like crazy dudes that do like the, uh, uh, what's the kite surfing, you know? Uh-huh. And I'm always like, how are you, not, you're going to get run over by a like oil tanker or like whatever. But there's like a little like a platform and it's like surrounded by a, it's kind of a botanical garden and I can mm-hmm. just sit there for like hours and just be like in the just at peace. I'm like it's just so pretty there. Yeah, there's like these random pockets. I'm sure like I'm sure somebody from San Francisco is like, wait, what? There's a spot like that? Where is it? You know, because like <laughs> when you live there, you're not really um, like for me, the city was like uh, it's right there, but I wouldn't go too often. And but, you know, like hearing that it's like, yeah, there's so many of these awesome special spots here and there that uh, we don't really you know uh, we don't really uh, like um, benefit from when we're actually there ourselves yeah i could see that yeah because a lot of times people like you know nashville is a huge tourist destination Mm -hmm. uh but living here i'm like what are you doing when you get here (laughs) because when you you did see san francisco is your favorite spot i was like really what do you do but i mean that's a lot of like it, it is beautiful there are these places that are amazing and oakland too which like i i worked in oakland for like 10 years like i love oakland and it's always cool like um you know when people reference it and yeah but like sometimes it's like oh what do people see in these places that i've grew up in yeah for sure absolutely 
hold up. It's time for another My Views Are My Own Astrological Reading. This week, we took a vote to find out which zodiac sign we would read, and it turned out to be Sagittarius. Obviously, as a doctor of astrology, I already knew that was going to happen. Dear Sagittarius, I have nothing but good news for you. A quest awaits you. You must now transform into a centaur, half human, half horse, as your zodiac sign commands. Don't forget to tell that special someone that you now have two hearts, each three times the size of a regular human heart. Now, you must enter the underworld's deepest realm, the Vale of Panath. In the dangerous, lightless chasm, you must seek out Yadith. In order to gain a seat in Yadith's court, you must prove that you value your authentic self most over the feelings of others. It's not mean if it's not a lie. Am I right, Sagittarius? Lols. And now back to the interview. Anyway, I do want I want to talk about uh, your playwriting and acting. And like I said earlier, that's probably why I brought up all the pandemic shit. And because uh, because, because you were performing live theater uh, from your home for the Kulthi Paradox. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kulthi is ice cream, right? Is that yeah, correct? it's kind of like a, it's a frozen dessert. It's kind of like ice cream. Uh, it's the best way to describe it. Um, but yeah, it's from the uh, it's from the uh, from Pakistan, India, that that area. Uh, yeah, so um, I, yeah, I was going to perform that on stage as part of the Hollywood Fringe. Um, and uh, my director and I, we put on uh, like a workshop show in a theater early March before everything shut down. And part of that whole reasoning was like to, to get feedback to prepare for the Fringe in June, which is like this festival they do um, in here in L.A. Uh, where, you know, they have like shows on top of shows for a couple of weeks, for a few weeks. And so I was going to perform five times in June in a the theater. And then one week after my workshop show, everything shut down, like all the theaters. Like, I can't even believe I got that show in, you know, at the theater. Um, so there were a lot of months of just like, oh, I don't know what to do with the show. And my director, uh, Zahra, she was just really great about like trying to encourage me to explore different ways of doing the show in my home. She was like, do it. Instagram, uh, you know, on an Instagram story or uh, Instagram TV of like a two minute, you know, uh, excerpt of your show. And I'm like, I can't do it. I don't know. And then finally, wasn't, we're like, wasn't part of the idea too, that it is live performance, right? Yeah. Like, like a real play. So yeah, that, yeah. that would kind of, that would detract from it because it's like, you might as well just make a YouTube video then. Exactly. Exactly. And part of my, what I realized that I'm not good at recording myself. Uh, that if it's not live, I'm going to be looking at a recording over and over and over again until I try to get it right. And it's just never going to happen. So yeah, definitely. So like, that's part of the thing with going live is that you have an audience to feed from and you can just kind of make stuff up too if stuff doesn't go your way without having to think about recording and cutting and pacing and editing after. That's another thing that's great about live performance is it's different every time. I mean, even no matter how much you have it nailed down <laughs> and you've got it perfect, it's going to have, uh, it's going to feel more alive. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's why, Oh, go ahead. Oh no, no, you go ahead. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. So that's <laughs> why like, um, um, uh, Zara and I, we decided to like, we thought about just doing it from my apartment, like making my apartment, the stage and doing live shows that way. Uh, and 
we ended up, I ended up doing five shows. And like you said, every show is a little different because yeah. I have a script, but either I forgot stuff or whatever with the audience never knowing, but you just, or you just find something in the moment. So I got to do my live show that way, at least. Um, I do want to ask some more st- stuff about it too. Like uh, I want to ask what it's about, but mm-hmm. I also want to ask about the title. Like, like what, yeah. what is, what is a cool paradox? paradox? Or is that just like, uh, I, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I just I I just need you to explain it to me because I sure really, sure well, absolutely. I, mean, I, I didn't I didn't find out about it until obviously it had already happened, so I haven't mm-hmm. seen it. Uh-huh. Uh, but I was uh, so I don't know what it, I don't know what the title means, and I don't know what the play was about. So, Kulfi is you know we we talked a bit about it's about like it's this 16th century frozen dessert from um, India, Pakistan. Uh, there was no Pakistan back in the 16th century, so it's just India. And um, my mom is an amazing cook, and kulfi is one of these desserts that she made, uh, that she created her own recipe. And it's something that I've acquired. Uh, you know, my mom's an excellent cook in general, so I try to, you know, replicate her cooking, uh, you know, for Pakistani-style cooking. So uh, the show, we use kulfi as kind of like this, this anchor almost of like me trying to figure out how to crack this dessert for uh, like my American Pakistani self. Um, but in it, like it, it mostly takes place in 2019 where I'm kind of going through this thing at work and I'm kind of having this crisis at work. And basically it comes down to the question of whether the life I'm leading, if it's worth the struggles my parents went through. Because uh, they had, you know, they had a lot of, you know, like in India when it split, in 1947, I mean, there's this whole history thing, which, uh, you know, like there's a new life they had to create in Pakistan when my dad was just seven years old. And then then there was this new life when uh, my parents came here uh, after they got married to the United States. And they've they've gone through so much stuff and whether or not like, and here I am, I'm getting stressed out over spreadsheets and emails. I mean, and yeah, then no it's just like, which is like this amazing blessed life that I have where I, you know, I get to have like this apartment, this life and and just kind of reconciling with that. But I know it sounds all like, oh, super serious, but um, you try to make it a comedy. And uh, so I had a lot of fun doing it in my apartment where, um, so then Gulfi became this anchor throughout the throughout the show where it's like uh, trying to crack this recipe in and out of like scenes at the office. Um, then did like- you like uh, mm-hmm. Did you create kind of a set so that like, so that your apartment would look like, like a work office? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, so I didn't really do anything set-wise, but um, but like for example, I'm sitting here um, at my desk talking to you through the laptop camera. So that was the office scene where this is the office, and then I also had an iPhone uh, iPhone hooked up to a ring light with a tripod, and that became another camera that was uh, that wasn't stationary. Basically, I moved that around. Like I started off the um, I started off the show in my kitchen, uh, talking to my iPhone as one camera and just talking about like um, making this recipe and then there's work stuff popping up. And then when I'm in the office, then switch over to this laptop camera and just kind of cultivate this experience for the people who are watching and you know control which camera they're looking at, uh, depending on the scene. And yeah, so we didn't have to create anything really, but just kind of like, okay, this is the office. My living room is something else. The balcony is where I flip out um, at this lady at a picnic, you know, and then my kitchen is my kitchen. And um, so uh, that was a kind of a cool thing about doing 
the show in my apartment is that when I was doing it on stage back in March, uh, you know, I was making this coffee drink, right? And I was just yeah. mimicking it on stage. Um, but then in my apartment, I got to actually make the coffee drink that I'm talking about. I was so just that thinking was that actually, uh, in a lot of ways, it's cooler that you did it in your apartment because it gave you so many, like, it, I think it adds realism that mm -hmm. it wouldn't have had uh, on stage. Because, like, you're not, yeah, you're not making pretend coffee. Exactly. And you're not making pretend coffee. And uh -huh. you're not sitting at a pretend desk and all, you know, like. Yeah. So, not to not to diminish how it would have been on stage. I yeah, yeah, it would have just been a different experience. Definitely. Silver silver lining that there were uh -huh. some cool exactly uh, cool things that you got out of having having to do it and ha having to change your format, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. How did your director like? Was it, was she like still in San Francisco or? Oh, like she was directing me over Zoom. So we're both based in uh, we're both based in LA. But even then, like before she would come over, you know, and while we were doing our rehearsals back in. Uh, back before March for in preparing for the March show. But once COVID hit, even though she was just like, like a 15 minute drive for me, she was just directing me over Zoom from then on. And uh, that's what was kind of hard about it all too. Like for her, just uh, as a director of like, instead of being able to show me stuff um, and, you know, I already, I, I don't have that experience. This is something I kind of fell into of like performing. And uh, you know, so there'd be a vocabulary too, which I'm not aware of. Uh, so uh, it, it, it de she definitely had her work cut out for her to try to direct me over Zoom. So um, I don't know if this is like an appropriate question because I don't want to like uh, do any spoilers because I don't know if you're going to be doing another run of this uh, or, you know, I don't want to like ruin like a plot or anything like that. But is could you share just a little bit more about like the, 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 um, the structure of the story and like mm -hmm. what your character is going through and what, I mean, I, I know you already did a little bit, but maybe just mm -hmm. a little bit deeper, like, um, like what your character is trying, like, what is her story arc? I guess. Is that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. it's, it's kind of coming to terms with, you know, one, one thing I, you know, just of the work thing and just like the purpose of being here of like, you know, there's this, there's this moment that I have where, uh, you know, at this park, uh, which is in real life, uh, and, you know, it's, it's it's really interesting also during this process of like a lot of this stuff happened, but it's just kind of mixing it all together to create this chronology that maybe didn't happen as exactly as it shows in the play. But just even just being confronted about like what's destiny, you know, what's predestination, what like was I meant to go through this and what's in my own hands and uh and just kind of uh, going through that life too. And just even like, um, so like, was I meant to have this, have this breakdown at work and just this random doctor who was at urgent care. Like I ended up going to urgent care because, and I swear, this is funny. I'm like saying all this stuff like, oh man, she went to urgent care. Like this sounds depressing, but like, no, I swear it's not, you know, like uh, this, this, this depressing <laughs> show, but um you like Ur just urgent care can be fun sometimes honestly yeah yeah and <laughs> my, my buddy cracked his i mean i shouldn't he was the thing is he was fine we went skateboarding uh -huh. and he cracked his head open oh, yeah but it was like the er is so expensive and he just needed them to staple his sure. uh, skin back together it wasn't like his skull was broken but it was just like we were having a blast at urgent care so <laughs> <laughs> well, you know you know what's interesting is that like i started working on the show a couple years ago uh with Zahra, but a lot of stuff didn't really come to fruition until like these things happened. Like when I was at like my medical leave, the work stuff was never a part of the original concept of the show of like trying to like honor my parents. 
but then I, I texted Zara like after I went to urgent care and the stuff this doctor was just saying to me, he was like, I mean, I have this whole scene with, uh, with this doctor that I pretend to be this doctor, but like, I didn't write his words. He said all his words, like, like, oh, you're stressed out. Then I'll, you know, get a new job and I'll see you back here in two years. You know, it's just this whole rant that I think I caught him on a day, but that he was having, and I texted my director and she's like, oh, that needs to go in the show. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, so it's interesting how this show kind of ended up something which I never thought it started off as. And even like the title about Gulfi, uh, Gulfi was never part of the original concept. Um, so yeah, and I don't want to spoil the ending. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'll do another run. Um, that's definitely something we're looking into. It was just like, it was a lot of work to do during COVID, I think. Um, well, you have to do another run because I haven't seen it yet. Okay, so all right. At, at least for me. Okay, all right. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, but I, uh, just to what you were just talking about, I, I love that shit when, uh, when people in real life say or do things that are so weird or funny or like you're like man i never could have written something weirder exactly. than that and that was that was and it's in it's real life so it's like yeah you don't feel like you're uh putting people on by saying you know those lines and people being like oh that's ridiculous it's like no that person said that shit that's a totally yeah. real thing yeah. so uh but i do want to ask you almost the same question but just in a slightly different mm -hmm. way by saying uh que esta el Goofy paradox, acerca de. <laughs> okay, so my Spanish is totally off. So the uh, with the last part, um, what was that like? I guarantee you that whatever I just said, like that was me attempting to say what is the Goofy paradox about again, but I was trying to say it in my really shitty uh -huh, broken uh -huh. Spanish. <laughs> yeah, so you know, really, it's just about coming to terms of my place in my life, you know, and just like the role that I play uh, in in my life and. And just with that, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the end part because it took a long time to just, like I did a lot of the show without even knowing what the ending was. And it just really manifested itself probably a week before, uh, you know, like uh, the actual run on Zoom. And even when I did it back in March, I realized I went through the whole show in March and people liked it. They, you know, they, they thought it was really great, but I never addressed what the Goofy Paradox actually was back in March. And nobody noticed <laughs> so, <laughs> until like a couple of days later. I was like, shoot, I forgot to, huh. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting how like this, the story just kind of manifested itself. And you know what I'm going to do? Uh, I'm not going to do what I just did again, ever again. Okay. Okay. Before, especially okay. before I make any fluent Spanish speakers really just start to get pissed off and not want yeah, to. That, that makes me. sense, man. That makes sense. <laughs> They're going to just hate me from that last awful attempt at Spanish. <laughs> Hold up. It's time for a beef check. Now that we've hit 23 episodes, it was inevitable that this podcast would have started a beef or two or, or whatever. In this segment, we check in on the status of all our beefs. Are they squashed or are they still sizzling? but I want to make a public apology to Guy Fieri for starting a beef with him. It has recently come to my attention that he has raised significantly more than $20 million to help out the unemployed restaurant workers during this pandemic. And that's extremely noble. I just want to say this beef started way back in episode three, and I don't want to name any names, but you know, Sharon Paletto from Episode three insinuated that I was jealous of Guy Fieri because he gets to eat fast food all day for a living. 
So I doubled down and decided to beef with Guy Fieri. But it was all in fun. Hey, Guy. If anyone told you that I said you were a clone of the lead singer of the Deftones from the 90s, but the experiment failed and your only talent was getting covered in grease, I didn't say that. I don't know who told you I said that. And the Deftones are one of my favorite bands of all time anyway, so it wouldn't have been an insult if I said that anyway, if I did. <clears throat> this has been the first segment of Beef Check. Guy Fieri, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And now back to the interview. But uh, I did want to move on to like another one of your plays, if, mm -hmm. uh, if that's cool. Of course. Because you have an another play called uh, Designated Muslim. And mm -hmm. uh, could you just, just tell me like what's, what's that about? Yeah, yeah. So designated Muslim, it um, it's kind of based off like like uh, just looking at the stuff I see about Muslim characters and just really seeing nobody who looks like me. And uh, what I call it, I call it like my accidental play uh, because I didn't have any kind of writing, like a formal playwriting experience beforehand. And it was just something like I had this conversation going on in my head and I just needed to write it down. And I told a friend about it and she's like, oh, I want to see the rest of that. Like, so she, I owed somebody some pages. So that's how I really finished this play of designated Muslim. And like the, the main character is like a 30 something Muslim uh, lady uh, who's in corporate America and who wears hijab. And it's just normal. Like, it's not even about like, Oh, you know, like uh, let me tell you about being Muslim or anything like that. But it's just that for some reason or another, even though she's really, uh, great in her she's comfortable with her identity and who she is you still have people around who don't really understand her and in the so designated muslim is about like uh, she meets this guy who's muslim but he's white and like what that means for her and like getting to know this guy who like even though he's muslim he doesn't have like the cultural baggage or even he doesn't look the part so he doesn't get the kind of stuff that she gets and it's just kind of coming to terms with that so i didn't realize i wrote a rom-com until somebody pointed it out to me later Cool. So, so it is, so it is a bit of a rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. Rom-com-y I would say. Um, yeah. And hopefully there's going to be another run of that at some point. Yeah. You know, so that one is just, I don't know what's going to come to with that project. I just actually, um, I just kind of redid it to be like a TV pilot. Um, just, uh, you know, while I'm in LA, I was like, why not just, uh, I was taking a writing class, a TV writing class. And I'm like, Oh, I have this existing work. Let me see if I can, uh, I guess what retrofit it to be like a TV pilot. So uh, now I have this as, as that kind of version and just thinking of it as what else the story can play. But I have come to terms with the fact that nothing may ever come with to, you know, like with designated Muslim, except that it showed me that I could finish a writing project from start to finish. Yeah. That's valuable in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to like, Kind of take a, a little bit of a detour from, uh -huh, uh -huh. from your writing just for a second, just because I follow you on uh, uh, online, like on your Instagram, mm -hmm. and I follow your Twitter and stuff like that. And I saw uh, you've been uh, shooting hoops lately, like I guess to, just to like be yeah. in shape or whatever. But uh, I was curious, like, did you used to play a lot of basketball, like in the before times, or no, no? You know, it was just one of those things where I liked playing before, but. Um, it, it's just like a different way of trying to get activity. And, uh, you know, and I realized that the, the, the basketball hoops near me are open. And I saw this documentary, The Last Dance, you know, it was about Michael Jordan. I uh, you love know. that. This, that's yeah, it's the amazing. best documentary I saw this year, I think. Yeah, I, yeah. And, I, I, I was already a huge, I mean, in my childhood, yeah. a huge Chicago Bulls fan, obviously a huge Michael Jordan fan. Mm -hmm. 
uh, a much bigger Dennis Rodman fan. Honestly, he was probably my favorite. Uh, so that, that yeah, sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean yeah, to interrupt no, you. no, you know, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Because like, I mean, so after, after I watched that documentary, I bought a basketball and, um, I haven't like dribbled anything in years, but I'm like, I just need it. I just need to get a basketball now. And then everything hit and I thought everything was shut down, but I realized the basketball hoops were open up near me. So, uh, and just like, it's just like this really fun way, but I realized that I was totally influenced by this documentary. That's why I don't know if you've seen the queen's gambit on Netflix. Like, um, (laughs) I just kind of like prided myself that I didn't run out and get a chess set after I watched that. Like I ran out and got a basketball after I watched last dance because like, okay, I'm like, I'm not as easily influenced as like, even though I love something. So yeah, it was just for fun, you know, just like a, like this, you know, these days just trying to find a different way to get activity. Uh, but yeah, it's just my, my, uh, my neighbor. So he's kind of like, he's a super good friend of mine. And like, he's like, he's one of the, like someone I can be like really, really close to around all the time Mm -hmm. because basically like we're in the same bubble, but, uh, he, he got it really into the queen's gambit. And we used to play chess back in the day, me and him. Mm-hmm. And he's got a really nice chess board. It's like all cool and glass and very like neat. But uh, he got really into the Queen's Gambit. And then he got like, all this was happening without my knowledge that he got like started uh, going on like YouTube and like learning all these like like chess strategies and opening yeah. moves. We, we always just played as amateurs. And then the other night I went over to, he's like, hey, come over and play chess, man. I'm, and all this, because he's like, uh, you know, that it's kind of like, what you're saying people just watching these things and getting fanatical yeah. about it and i came over i was like yeah man i'll play a game of chess and i came over and he just destroyed me like in a minute because he just had gotten so good playing against the computer and watching all these youtubes of like famous chess mm-hmm. games and i was like all right let's best two out of three and then he killed me i was like best three out of five and he just destroyed me and i think before i got frustrated and went home we played like 10 games and i was just like Queen's Gambit changed that guy's life. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. But I'm like, I'm not going to all of a sudden think that I can take up chess because I, I don't know how to play at all. Uh, oh. So, yeah. So, like, uh, but it was just it was just one of those things where I was like, I'm that kind of a person that I'll watch something and I'm like, oh, I'm totally going to get into this. And then it's an abandoned hobby in my closet. Yeah. So I'm glad I actually took the basketball out basically after watching The Last Dance. Basketball is way more fun than chess. Anyway, <laughs> I was gonna, I was going to sit to it like um, – I was at the park uh, shooting hoops uh, uh, pretty recently, and there was this, there was a dude. He was shooting hoops too, just at the other end of the court. Uh, mm-hmm. So we were both like we were both kind of playing half court by ourselves. And I kept noticing he kept looking at me, and I kept realizing like I know he wanted to be like, "Oh, you want to play one on one?" You know, like. But it's just that uh, everything's so weird and alienated yes. now, yeah. and like also I like you know I guess I'd have to put my mask on, and then with basketball like. I'm not like I'm not a, a dickhead or anything like that, but I get real. I, I get kind of aggressive even in basketball. It's like it's definitely still a contact sport for me. And I was like, I don't know if I need to be like, you know, yeah, bumping into this dude over yeah, and over and over yeah. again because I wanted to play too. I was like getting, you know, I was kind of yeah. like, I don't want to play by myself. But <laughs> uh, oh, my question! I had a question in there, and it was like, uh, it was going to be like, has that happened to you at all? Like, have you ever been out just uh, at the court and like? You know, people clearly want to like play a real game, and you're like, but everybody's all like, no, I guess we can't. Well, you know, everybody there were like three. There, uh, people were kind of keeping to themselves, but then like you know, a couple people came and just like invaded one dude's space, and I'm like, and they weren't wearing masks, and I was leaving anyway, so that first guy came over to my court, but 
but you know, it's kind of crazy where everybody's just got to be respectful, but people aren't. And like you said, you're just so up and close and personal, especially if you're just shooting hoops. Like even if you're not playing with somebody, if you're using the same hoop, you're still in each other's space. So it, it definitely does put a damper on it, but I didn't even try to play with anybody. I'm just like, I'm just going to stay in my corner here. I'm going to keep my mask on because you never know. And just, uh, this is just the times. Also, you, you know, you can do like, there's so many basketball drills you can do by yourself. Exactly. You, know, you don't exactly. need a partner. Yeah. And you can really get a lot of cardio. Like, yeah, you, know, you yeah. can really wear yourself out without even a friend. Like, you know, like you just go out there like totally solo and just, yeah, do drills and all kinds of different stuff and like get like a killer ass mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. cardio workout. So I was absolutely worn out just like doing all that stuff that you just said. And uh, you could also just like add this uh, funny. I, I had my, my friend uh, on here, like uh, he's a, he owns a gym and he's like a, you know, he's like the fittest dude I've ever known, but he was like, he's a great, amazing basketball player. But we were actually had a whole conversation about all the stuff you can do with a basketball because my home gym uh-huh. consists of very little. I have a basketball and a kettlebell. And a yoga mat, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. but yeah, with the with the basketball, like you can, uh, like you could uh, put your hands on it, do mountain climbers, you can do push ups on it, you can, you know, you can do all kinds of like strength training too. So yeah, 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 like uh, versatile. Yeah, it's just it was one of those things. Like when the like I was a gym person before, like three four times a week before everything hit, and then it was just like trying to adapt everything to indoors, and then never going outdoors, and you realize you do need air sometimes. So I was just trying to fit that into, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I was a, I, I was a gym person, and like I was saying here, like how the, they don't have like so technically the rules are here at the gym. You're supposed to wear a mask, but if you're on a piece of equipment, you don't have to have a mask on. And so basically, if you go to the gym, it's packed, and no one's gonna fuck a mask on because everyone's like, they're like, I'm working yeah. out. Like whatever they're doing counts as the yeah the loophole of not having to wear it. And this is uh, back during the summer, back when people were just like, well, COVID's just like the flu or whatever. And the thing is I've had the flu and people, whoever is saying the flu is not fucking serious. That is awful. Mm -hmm. The last time I had the flu, literally, I thought I was going to die. I literally thought I was going to die from it. I was hallucinating. Like I was seeing people that weren't really there because I had gotten so sick and I couldn't eat. Like, you know, it was just days of like bedridden. And if the COVID and if COVID like just like, obviously, even if it doesn't kill you, but it's just that bad, it's like, Yo, I, like I'm not gonna like. If someone was like, "Hey, do you want to go lift weights, but you have to catch the flu?" I'd be like, "No." <laughs> yeah, and that, yeah. And that was my mentality way back in June when I first canceled my gym membership. Uh huh. Just like, oh man, I can do push-ups at home. I can exactly. Uh, yeah, and and you know, like that's the thing. Like, I'm not maybe the private gyms, but like a lot of the public chains. Like, you go there, and I mean, where like that's where my membership is at, and even on the best of times, it's not the most hygienic place. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, even without like a pandemic, I was like, ah, I think I'm fine. Just not going indoors over there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're already like, people just get up and just leave a puddle of sweat. Oh and my like, God. I'm like, oh man. Cause that used to like, that used to, used to just gross me out, but not on a serious, like I'm not a germaphobe, but I would still be like, nah, man, I got to clean up your yeah. puddle. You nasty bastard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, hey, let's, uh, I, I have to ask you about another thing about your plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reckon, please. That's cool with you. Um, because I wanted to ask you about an evening repast. Is that uh-huh. pronounced correct? An evening repast, yeah. Repast. What does is, what is repast mean? I don't know. It's like a, it's a meal. Oh, okay. 
sorry. So, uh, yeah, no, you know, it's funny, like, um, um, yeah, I'm sorry, I'll let you ask your question and then I'll... Uh, okay, well, no, it was actually that, I didn't even know that was going to be a question, but as soon as I said it, I was like, I don't know this word. So, okay, it's a meal. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. I know that you said it's still in development. Yeah, so it takes place, It's so the play is completed. Uh, so now it's about just kind of uh, getting it out there, trying to get readings and all that, and, um, you know, just submitting it. To, there's always these various playwriting um, you know, people like play, you know, playhouses that are putting on stage readings and just submitting it for that. Uh, so that's where it's at right now. And the title comes from the fact that it takes place all over one dinner. You know, these four friends, uh, two of them, are like two couples and uh, the women in, in the couples, they've known each other since high school. Uh, so, you know, you got these two couples coming together over dinner. So repast is the meal, but it's also like a play on words almost because like the past gets drudged up. Uh, where they realize that there's something about like um, like their origins, like uh, you know. So it does delve into India and Pakistan as well, because uh, they they both have this uh, this background from there. And what does that mean for their current friendship? And even though like these two people have known each other forever, like so, just like all these things have come up. So it's kind of like this uh, four person play that takes place over dinner one evening, and it's for me, it was a lot of fun to write. And I feel like I learned a lot of lessons from writing Designated Muslim, whereas like it had a whole bunch of scenes, a lot of different characters. I was like, why not just write something over one evening, one set? And um, so, and I, and I got a lot of stuff out of it. Like at first I wanted to really dive into partition, which is the, what they call like capital P partition is like when India and Pakistan, when India split into India and Pakistan in 1947. Uh, but then it, I hate to interrupt, but uh, yeah, go for it. Just because we've talked about it a couple times, and I'm not super uh, educated on all uh, uh, how that that was part of World War II, right? Is that no, no? Well, or it had nothing to do with World War II. It had nothing to do with that, but like the British had like kind of taken control of India for for a while. So then uh, there was this. I mean, it's a huge, long story. And, and it totally makes sense, by the way, that you're not familiar with it, because I realized that, you know, growing up that there's so many things that happen in so many countries that unless there's like an award-winning film that's made about it, uh, we actually don't really know what's, you know, what, like people's past. So the British had control over India. And then, um, and India is full of like, like so many like religious, like India, like Hindus, Muslims, Sikhs. And um, so part of like, the British letting go of the country, they had these like um, these figures, these political figures who were trying to like gain control. And then part of it too was just India got split into India and Pakistan, whereas Pakistan became the country mostly for Muslims um, and India, mostly Hindus, but there were still a lot of Muslims that lived there. And the problem is though, that there are plenty of people on each side that had to switch sides basically so uh, my family was mostly on the India side, uh, but then they had to like go over to the Pakistan side. Um, so it was just like this. It was one of the biggest mass migrations in history with 10 to 12 million people switching sides. And then there were like, there was so much violence on all sides. Like, like there's nobody who's really innocent to be quite honest. Um, reminds me, I, I, I saw, I saw the, you know, the movie Gandhi. Yeah. Have you ever seen it? But I just, I recall there was like a, huge scene in that film where uh there is like a ton of uh religious uh based violence is that the right, right yeah. way to put it because it's so it's like hindus 
and, and Muslims are like fighting for whatever reason, I guess maybe like a lot of it might be financial reasons and does that you know, make there's sense? Just, it's so much, there's just so much to it. It's, it's really crazy. Like, I mean, I've read a bunch of books about it and I've listened to uh, a lot of different things about it, but it was just a lot of like unnecessary violence from, like I said, from all sides. So, uh, you know, like, so that's like the really unfortunate part too. Um, it's just that there weren't, but then like, um, yeah. So then, so, but because of that, you know, there are people who had to like uproot their, uh, uproot themselves and their family. Like um, my family, like left without taking anything. And then there were people who left ba- the Pakistan side without taking anything and just start these brand new lives in, uh, in their, in this new country, basically. Um, so, yeah. So like, um, so, part of an evening repast uh, kind of delves into like these two people, like these two really great friends, one's Hindu, one's Muslim, and they, they know each other They They grew up here and everything, but it turns out that like they have their own stories of their own families from partition. And, you know, just how does like, we're one generation removed, but like one of my closest friends is Hindu and, you know, and I'm Muslim, but it's never been any, uh, it's never been any like um, sticking point in our friendship, but like, what if it was? So that's kind of what the play is. So cool. ultimately, yeah, it became this um, this <clears throat> play about friendship, you know, where um, so I just really and I just really love that I got to write about that play, you know, write about those characters like who resemble myself and my friend. But we've never gotten into those arguments, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and which I'm grateful for. And. You know, but but like it totally can't because like I said, it's just one generation and where there was so much trauma that like our parents or grandparents had gone through and we're so removed from it. But that's still that's still part of us, you know, like that's part of our DNA. So I is just want to explain that. Is it better now? Uh, like, I mean, like uh, relations like actually in India and Pakistan or on the border or whatever, or is, are things still like really uh, like tense? Things are, I think, you know, it's funny, like, I don't know, I don't really follow the politics too much, but uh, there is definitely some tension. It's not like, um, and it's just crazy because like the cultures are so similar um, across these countries. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, there's still definitely some tension um, and it's, it's really unfortunate. Well, Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, like, it's, I feel like we got like into some like, pretty like deep, serious stuff, and like uh-huh. that's. I mean, I, obviously, like that's what the play's about, and that's. And I feel like a little bit like uh, that. I sounded dumb. That I, I needed you to explain to me no. what partition was, oh, but at the same time, like I bet a lot of people don't know, and that's like now people do. Like you know, it's just like you said. There's not. Uh, there's not a giant Hollywood film that explains partition to us and that's why i don't know you know like and that's why a lot of people don't know right yeah yeah there's this great anthony bourdain episode of um parts unknown where he goes to the punjab area of india and i remember watching that and i'm like it's just the first time i've seen anything like this about that you know because he delves into like the fact that these cultures are the same but like there's just like this arbitrary border that's separating this uh these people and uh, it, it was just amazing to me that like, unless you have something like that, somebody creating something that you don't, you really don't know the story. I will definitely check that out. Uh, Anthony Bourdain is a, an interesting, it's like everyone I know loves Anthony Bourdain. Everybody talks about how he was so uh, like, just like awesome and mm-hmm. like interesting. 
and it's just for some reason like it never really came across my radar it's something i never really checked out but like you know it, as far as i can tell everybody thinks he was just like a, a revolutionarily like fantastic dude when it came to like what he was doing so i'm gonna check it out awesome hold up it's time to reach into the mailbag every week on the show we check the mailbag to see if there's a message for the show and then we read it out loud this week's mailbag comes from chief executive officer big face chief executive officer big face says you've won five hundred dollars for super cash app saturday send in your cash app tag now today cash app matching every dollar sent to money dream core cut 50 we're giving away over twenty five thousand dollars for this week cash app team kk help center hello did your payment hit congratulations cash app team are waiting to complete your payment send your cash tag all right well all i have to say is thank you so much for writing the show chief executive officer big face actually i don't have cash app on my phone and i really don't want to be downloading any more apps on my phone right now so but how about i just send you my bank account information and routing number. It, I mean, it's almost Christmas, and I can't wait to donate all that money to my favorite charity. I can't wait to see the faces on all the volunteers at the animal shelter when I drop off the check. You are a very kind and generous person, Chief Executive Officer Big Face. And now back to the interview. Oh, I must say this, though. We are getting dangerously close to the lightning round. Okay. Okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> let me explain. Let me explain the lightning round real quick. Uh, at the end of every episode, uh, the questions get way faster. I just ask you a ton of questions, super fast, and you don't have any time to think. It's all just gut reactions. It's the first thing that pops in your head, and you just like we just go ba 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 ba. But each one has a theme, and so uh, do you have Spotify? I do. Okay, so you've been seeing the whole Spotify rap yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. That was uh, the inspiration for this one, which is oh, okay. like, it's like a... I'm going to admit nothing of my music taste. Just oh, okay. like- <laughs> oh uh, this, yeah, this is actually, this is just all over the place. It's just... Okay, all right. But it, uh, it's, it's not like the Spotify, I'm not like, what was your number one? This, I'm just saying like, these are, these oh, okay, are all... Okay, 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 gotcha, gotcha. These are all literally just your opinions. Uh, these are all just things that I think are uh, big standouts from 2020. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought it'd be fun to like do like a 2020 wrapped uh, with you because it's like mm-hmm. Spotify just did it. Now my views are my own should do it. And totally. you're the perfect guest to do this with. So I'm gonna start hitting them out. And maybe I'll share a couple of, of mine if we were like, if, uh, if I feel like I've got a similar idea as yours. Uh, and also some of these you might not even have an answer to like, because maybe it didn't happen like in, in your life or you just have no opinion. So just sure. be like, just say pass and that's cool. Uh, first one, I don't know if you did this, but a lot of people did. Do you have a, a favorite new hobby from this year? I have baked so much. It's insane. Yeah, I, I didn't touch yeast at all um, it, before COVID. And then um, all of a sudden, like I was at the grocery store and everything was falling apart in March. And I was like, I must grab flour. I must grab yeast. And then, uh, yeah, I've been baking a lot. I just made a cake yesterday, too. Um, so it's been that's been my pandemic hobby, definitely. That's so interesting. You know, I used to be a professional artisan baker. Oh. But I have never baked 
at home. I've only baked in a big industrial oven at a, a French bakery. I mean, that, it wasn't in France, but it was a French uh-huh. bakery here in Nashville. I don't know. Anyway, I just I'd share that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I feel like a lot of people have had this because people have been watching uh, so much stuff on like TV oh, and yeah. the internet or yeah. whatever. And like, and so, and I know this has definitely happened for me where I've watched things that are way more dumb than I would normally check out. So I was going to say, uh, stupidest thing you watched on TV or the internet, just kind of just on accident or whatever, or just cause you were running out of like cool stuff. Oh, man. Stupidest thing. Um, oh, man, that one's, I feel like there's so much and yeah. I'm just kind of blanking everything, <laughs> but I wouldn't say this one is stupid, but like, I would say I accidentally watched a whole show for tweens, uh, called, um, was this one on Netflix? Was it like, it's like, Julie and the Phantoms and it's just this show about like this high schooler and she has this ghost band and I realized like I just had it on I'm like why am I watching this show for little kids but yeah I just like let this series run and uh, it wasn't stupid I would say but I was just like I guess that's where I'm at right now you know watching shows for twins oh yeah I guess maybe maybe I didn't need to use the word stupid like like for me recently the thing I for me I watched uh the entire uh, Takashi Six Nine documentary on Hulu, which is something I otherwise never would have checked out. But I was just like, I'm brain dead. Just play it. <laughs> and I really <laughs> yeah, enjoyed I, it. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of West Wing too, but that uh, that just seems like science fiction right now. Oh I'm yeah, like, I, I don't understand how there's coherent conversations going on in the White House. But uh, I guess you know uh, who's the who's the guy that plays the president in that? Uh, Martin Sheen. Yeah, like someone that respectable being the president is like. Come on, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, this one's, this is really tough. This is going to be even maybe tougher, but, but you might have an answer. Uh, what do you think it was the best YouTube video of the year? Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just blanking on all that. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with pass here. <laughs> There's just so much. And then I don't even, you know, everything just kind of melds together. Like the stuff you watch, it's like, did I watch it this year? Or was it like 10 years ago? I don't even remember anymore. You know, when I was writing that question for you, I was thinking about one that I, I, I was certain that it was the, in my, that it came out this year. But like you said, I'm like, did like this whole year is so like hazy. Yeah. But I do have an answer, but this could potentially have actually been from last year. Uh, do you, do you recall, um, the uh the marriage story that netflix yes. movie that came out yes and uh what, what is that actor um i always adam call him driver. kylo ren because he was Ad, adam driver adam driver uh yeah. somebody took that I'm, I'm you may have seen this but somebody took it and they took the voices out and they replaced them with uh goofy and Minnie mouse and it is so good he's like or she's like, you gaslighted me. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I wish you were dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> they just like, they take like the most dramatic fight scene. Yeah, in that film. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, you saw that? Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't see the video. I didn't see the YouTube video, but I just see the movie. Uh, honestly, I think you might really enjoy this YouTube video. Just I'll just, check it out. Absolutely. Get on YouTube and just type in marriage story, Goofy's voice. And uh-huh. <laughs> it's funny as hell. All right. Here's another really hard one. Cause there's so many, uh, and there's so many different ways you can answer it. I was going to say favorite political quote of the year, but it could be because it was so stupid that it was funny or because it was something like fantastic. Like I know AOC said some things this year that were pretty fucking dope. But I don't know. Answer it any way you want. No rules. This is the, this is your interview. Hmm. Well, 
you know that, that you bring up AOC, you know, I don't remember the exact quote, but like this was just a couple of weeks ago where, you know, they were talking about like, um, you know, how to pay people, you know, like give people paychecks right now. And then, uh, you know, it's like everybody's just kind of pointing out that like, this isn't, the, I mean, there's nothing wrong with like, you know, like helping our the pe- the citizens of this country, like giving them paychecks and all that. Like, and then it's just kind of like you kind of pointed out that, like, you know, it's just like this, like the Republicans who, I don't, I don't even remember all the stuff that every, she said. So many great things, but just like in general, like, um, uh, like there's nothing wrong with wanting to just, just support our citizens. Yeah. And there's like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of her quotes are just based on that, but it's just kind of crazy that, uh, you know, and like I said, since you had mentioned, since you had mentioned her, just like that doesn't, what she, everything she says does not seem like so out of like, why wouldn't we want like our people to. Yeah, she's, she's really sensible. Yeah. yeah. She's like, she seems like the only like smart, normal person sometimes in yeah. like uh, that, that's like vocal that's in the, or in the uh, Congress. Um, but actually, can I add a little caveat to what yeah, you were just saying? Sure. To, to specifically that uh, conversation because she dog walked some uh, governor that was so ignorant that said some awful, you know, how they, they're always coming at, coming after her and she's yeah. always, she's so, but she's smarter and brighter and, you know, wittier. But uh, yeah, someone said like, Oh, you want to like, she, yeah, she said something like along the lines of like, Hey, we need to like, you know, help people like something very like, yeah, not like, controversial. Not, like, right. Right. And they're like, Oh, is that the money that you want to use to yeah. defund the police? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is that the money you want to use to get rid of the uh, school debt? Like, you idiot. And she was like, and she just nailed that governor so hard. She's like, she's like, look, I'm sure that you, uh, you don't understand how uh, government financials work and stuff like that. But she's like, police are a municipal yeah like, like that's what i was talking about yeah thank you for bringing that one up yeah i was like she said she said the federal government doesn't pay your police you pay your police in your state you should know that you're the governor and it was just like it was like you know she wasn't mean she wasn't anything like that she was just like it was like she was talking to a child and it was just beautiful I thought. <laughs> all right so we're gonna let's give that one to aoc okay yeah absolutely absolutely all right uh what food did you end up eating the most of I don't know if you got caught in like a little cycle of eating the same thing over and over again, like I did. Oh, I always get like caught in a cycle of something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, there was a lot of like, there was a period of time where I wasn't, I was just like, it's too hard to me to make any, so I was just eating like chips. Like uh, there was this one <laughs> thing that I got addicted to like this, there's this one brand Saffron Road and they had like these chickpea crisps which is no longer in production. And I kind of went a little nuts, like at Whole Foods, I couldn't find it anymore. And I emailed the uh, the company. I'm like, I can't find these chips anymore. And they're like, oh, the demand was low, so we don't make them. I was like, I could have helped with that demand <laughs> if I just knew. How dare you? Yeah, so I was just eating those, like standing up, just like, let me grab a few, just like that. That was kind of like, uh, and I was like, no, let me, let me make actual meals. Yeah, yeah. It's so tempting to live off chips, but you just can't do it. Uh, so I guess like people have been like having to buy more stuff online just mm-hmm. for whatever reasons. Do you have like a best online purchase, like something that you like had to get that way that was like a really good like good choice? Oh, man, I don't think a lot of them were good choices. <laughs> oh, well, actually, this is a two part question. The other one is worst online purchase. You could just only answer that one if you want. <laughs> well, so well. 
the purchase that I'm excited about, I just got like this grill for my, for my stove. And I'm like, um, cause I've never done like steaks before. So I'm like, let me figure out how to make steaks indoors, you know, like, uh, uh let me do that. And so I'm looking forward to that. That just came in. Um, and then as far as worst one, I would say, uh, and I, I talked about this on this one other podcast I was on, I started diving into the non-alcoholic drink arena. So I bought all this non-alcoholic stuff and I realized that, I so I made myself with this stuff I bought online. Oh, like like yeah. like Odules? Well, not not really Odules. Like um, like I got I don't want to name the brands because in case like um people like them, but like I got this like non-alcoholic <laughs> gin and non-alcoholic like stuff to make martinis and gin and tonics, and there it has zero alcohol. But I'm why would anybody like, want that? Exactly. So that's what somebody told me. I'm like, I don't like this stuff. And they're like, you know, people drink that for the buzz, right? Yeah. I have so, never uh, drank a gin and tonic because I'm like, this is going to taste good. I, just, I mean, so, it tastes yeah, all right. Yeah. But, you know. So that's, that was, I would say that was my, my most ridiculous online purchase. <laughs> just like getting all these things that's still, that I don't like. It's still fun. I mean, like, yeah. we were just kind of like doing like, just like, Trying to figure out cocktail mixes. Yeah, and stuff like yeah. That. Because because uh, even like in my show uh, in Gulfy Paradox, I make this drink. I call it the Bushra. Uh, you know, so like this coffee drink. And then I was like, I like making drinks, so I got like this non-alcoholic. Like it's kind of like a bourbon, and then also the gin and other stuff. But I do like the the bourbon stuff, which is like I made myself like an old fashioned, um, and also I'm like a molten cola. I'm like, okay, this stuff I like, but like now I've got these couple other bottles of just stuff that's like. Eh. You know, I've, I've, I've invented very few drinks, uh, but there was one winter uh, I was in college and it was, it was like a blizzard or something, like, not like the kind they get in like, you know, in Michigan or like, you know, but still like for me here in Nashville, I was like, this is insane. And like, uh-huh. I was at home and it was so cold. And I couldn't go anywhere. And like, uh, even like school was closed because like all the roads were just like covered in ice. It was like an ice storm, basically. And I was bored out of my mind, and I had a bottle of Jameson, uh, which is like a whiskey, which you know only mixes well with a few things. And I just, you know, some people like listening will probably be like, "You should just drink that on ice." You, know, you hear that kind of mm-hmm. shit all the time. But I was bored, and I was, and I was bored, and I was cold, and I was like, "I'm just gonna make I'm a whiskey drink." And the closest thing for me to do is like uh, in my apartment complex was to walk to. They had a vending machine, and I was like, "I'll go to the vending machine. I'll get a Coke, and I'll make myself a." a whiskey and Coke and it'll, it'll be fine. And I'll just, uh-huh. you know, wait this blizzard out. And I get to the vending machine and I guess like everybody else in the whole apartment complex, like couldn't go to stores either. So they'd taken everything except for this one drink called Tahitian treat, which was like a, a fruit punch. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, Oh no. <laughs> and I was like, but I was like determined and I got it and I got home and I made that. And I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> this is like the worst thing ever. It sounds pretty terrible so uh anyway uh i recommend that to anyone to try a jameson and fruit punch I don't have a name for it yet i'm gonna call it not the bushra i'll call it the doug <laughs> <laughs> uh okay here's a good one because i feel like this has actually happened for me several times uh favorite thing that you got to get out of doing that the pandemic gave you an excuse to not do oh man um it might be and, tough because I know this. No, no, it's not like, tough. It's not okay. tough. It's just admitting it. Like uh, I like, I like not going to work. I mean, I have a non-essential job. I would say that. I uh, just want to caveat caveat that where I know there's a lot of people who do have to go to work, um, but like uh, you know, for me in the office job is kind of nice to just 
not have to go to work, <laughs> but uh, but I re- I do realize the privilege that comes with that. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely something that like uh, not having to interact with certain folks, but I do miss certain people too. So there's that. Yeah. But I just kind of like uh, yeah, walking out from my room and sitting down on my laptop, just getting started. It's just easy in the morning. I don't want to name anything because I think a lot of these people that would might be listening and would hear me and go, you didn't want to come to my thing. <laughs> but there were a few events that I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. And then I didn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. This is actually is a little bit Spotify, but, and like you said, you didn't want to get too into music, but this is like, I feel like people had like a lot of opportunities to discover new bands or musicians. And I was just wondering if you have like a, a best new band or musician that you just discovered just because this year you were like checking out more stuff. Not necessarily a new band or musician, but I realized that there's this one composer I love. His name is Max Richter or Richter. I actually don't know how to pronounce his last name. He did like leftovers like that, the the music for that, which I love. And I didn't know, like, I didn't know until recently, like on Spotify when stuff got connected that he had composed a lot of music in movies that I liked way before, but it was before I was well-versed in knowing, like, to figure out, like, composers and all that. So it's just, it's been kind of cool, like, uh, discovering, like, um, his work on other stuff that I realized that I was totally into, like, ages ago. Cool. All right. So what's that? Uh, what's the name again? Uh, Max Richter or Richter? R-I-C-H-T-E-R. Cool. I'll check that out. Uh... We're almost through. We're almost through. Okay. All the lightning <laughs> We're actually doing pretty good. Some lightning rounds, honestly, like we get like it, it, it goes so slow because I guess so we're actually doing it the way it's supposed to be done. Uh, awesome. Favorite news story. There were so many, so many news stories this year, but. Oh, favorite news story. Like, um, hmm. Oh, oh, oh man. There's so many, I mean, you know, it's one of those, like just blanking on everything. Well, you tell me so, yours first. Tell uh, me yours first. God, I had so many good ones. Uh, Rudy Giuliani uh, thinking that he um, was doing the Four Seasons Hotel when he sure, was doing sure. the, uh, like the lawn yeah. care guys. That was pretty good. I don't know. That's It's still that's, fresh that's in my good. mind because it's so recent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I guess like all those things, right? Like he had that hair dye going down his face. and then Oh, yeah. Rudy Giuliani, um, he's a king. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, <laughs> But yeah, somebody like, you know, I, I saw something recently. They're like, oh, like, you know, because, you know, he was in Borat's new film, right? And they're like, oh, I thought it was really great that Borat could trick Giuliani until I saw like all the stuff Giuliani did. So now it doesn't seem so hard to <laughs> to do any of that. Anymore. So I thought that was funny that, um, yeah, that's definitely like, I, I think that what's crazy about all these news stories is that for some of us, for like you and me, it might seem ridiculous for other people. It's like, there's like this whole half of the population of this country that looks at that and goes like, yeah, these are my people. These are my heroes. And yeah. then I think that's kind of like uh, the craziest part of like, for just finding out like this is a very split country. Oh yeah. Um, and it's so often uh, depicted in memes. And that is why the second to last question is, Best meme of 2020. I know this is like literally almost impossible. So really, it doesn't have to be the best, but like maybe something you could you could comfortably say is in the top 10 and, and feel like okay with that. Hmm. Dude, I don't, you know, I got to say, um, 
I'm not like, I, I see stuff that comes across, but I don't have a favorite meme necessarily. But uh, you know what? I mean, like not to like change your question, but like, you know, I do see all these posts about like gratitude and just like people, like there's a lot of stuff, especially since people are by themselves uh, or, you know, like quarantining about mental health. And I realize that I'm seeing these things like, oh, you know, it's okay if you're like this or that you need a, you know, or, but I'm, I'm like, I'm seeing all these things about my own actual behavior that I realize aren't normal behavior that I should probably get help for, you know? So like, I think that's been kind of a funny thing of just like reading these like psychology, like things and on Instagram, you know, these like, not necessarily memes, but just like these like easy digestible quotes. And I realized like, oh, you mean the way that I've been my entire life is not normal? Okay. So um, I guess I'll explore that during COVID times. Yeah, for sure. Although I do have to say, you know, the, uh, you know, the one with like the little teddy bear guy that's walking and then he like his eyes like turn and look at you and then he looks forward again. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? It's a, it's a real common, it's a meme template. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like yeah, little the little teddy bear. Like the, yeah, he's a, like, yeah, teddy bear or a monkey or something. Yeah, yeah. He's like a, he's like a, he's like a knockoff Muppet. Yeah, yeah. There was, yeah. there was a really good one. Uh, this is not from this year, I don't think, but it's, uh, it was Ted Cruz. He did some idiotic shit where he, he posted out, uh, win an opportunity to Netflix and chill with Ted Cruz to oh like his donors because he's just Jeez. like I don't know who lets this guy or, or if his just campaign people are so insane but like the little teddy bear like does the thing where he like looks at you and then like looks away like oh. <laughs> yeah you know the problem is that guy grew a beard and then uh, you know he thinks it's he's like all wise and stuff so yeah there's that uh there's another one that I thought like I'm I'm gonna probably butcher this, but I I thought it was pretty funny. It was <clears throat> it was one of those ones that's like supposed to sound like um mo- like uplifting and motivation, you know, like the like you know know your worth, like that kind of stuff, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. and it said uh, it's and it was directed towards dudes, like you know or whatever. And it's like it's like hey man, don't check out her home her OnlyFans if she didn't go check out your SoundCloud rap. Know your worth, King. <laughs> that's very specific <laughs> i know but i feel like i know a million people that yeah that's so funny <laughs> all right uh very last question okay uh, what was the best one woman show performed over zoom in 2020 uh you know i would have to say it would be mine because it was really the only one that i could actually watch <laughs> well okay no i take that back because i didn't even actually watch mine i can't really see my own performance uh but uh, but yeah, but no, Goofy no, Paradox. There. Yeah, yeah, I was, it was there. The, it was the Goofy Paradox. I can it was, I it. was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. You know, uh, definitely. Uh, hey, is there like, uh, just for people like that want to check out your stuff, like, uh, can people, like, where can people find you and like check out like all, all what you do? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram for the most part. That's where I live. Um, Bushra Writer, uh, B-U-S-H-R-A-W-R-I-T-E-R. Um, I also have a website, um, BushraBurney.com, uh, where uh, but, you know, usually I'll post stuff on Instagram and just uh, I don't know what's next for me with Goofy Paradox. And even it's just like kind of trying to figure out next steps with that and just keep on writing, you know, just uh, trying to fill up these times. Oh, yeah. And also uh, just anybody that's already following me on there, uh, just I've already tagged you in it. So, mm-hmm. like, just touch the button where her face is and her name will <laughs> pop up right there. <laughs> uh, Busher, thank you so much for uh, coming on uh, My Views Are My Own. It has been amazing it's been a huge pleasure thank you it's been it's been a lot of fun thank you so much for having me on thank you for listening to my views are my own if you'd like to contact me you can go hit me up at uh my or on instagram at 
my views are my own underscore podcast. Or you could just say it to my face if you got something to say. Or you can hit me up, uh, you could email me, I guess, you know, at uh, my views are my own dot podcast at gmail.com. Or just say it to my face. I mean, those are your options. Uh, also on Twitter at uh, my views underscore podcast. Mm-hmm.